As we continue to worship this morning, uh, let me open us uh, in prayer as we open uh, God's word together. Father God in heaven, we thank you that you are indeed a good and generous God, that you are holy, that you are gracious, that you are slow to anger, that you are abounding in steadfast love. And so, God, this morning, as we open your word, Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you would speak to our hearts and minds, God, that you would uh, awaken us with joy, God, that you would uh, fuel us in our faith and in our obedience. Uh, God, for those who don't know you, Lord, I pray that you would um, save souls this morning through the preaching of your word. Uh, God, for those who are caught in sin, God, that you would free us from that. God, for those who are experiencing deadness, Lord, I pray that you would uh, have our hearts beat with life anew in Christ. So God, we thank you for this time. Pray that you use it for your glory and our joy and that the gospel of Christ would advance to the nations. We ask in his name, amen. Amen. Today we're looking at Deuteronomy chapter 26 and we're talking about joyful generosity. I want to start by telling you a story. If you're from Augusta, you probably know this. Um, back in the 90s, there was this wonderful restaurant called Dizzy Chicken. You guys remember Dizzy Chicken? Uh, it was over near uh, where Regal Cinema used to be, kind of near the mall. It was this great restaurant. You go in, you get some cornbread muffins, you get some chicken strips. It was a very good restaurant. And I had the great privilege of working at that wonderful restaurant. I was in college trying to make ends meet, trying to make money for school, trying to live on my own as a young man. And so I had to work on Sundays. It was actually a really good time to work there. People would come there after church for lunch, and uh, we'd have a quick turnover of tables. People would come, get their chicken and fries, and then go see a movie. And families would come in, so usually the, you know, the uh, tab was pretty high, so tips were pretty decent. And one particular Sunday, here, here I am, like struggling to make ends meet. I'm working on a Sunday, and I walk in there, and this large family comes in there. And as they leave... I go to bust the table, and I see what looks like a $20 bill. I was so excited. I was like, man, they just tipped me a 20 spot. This is, I mean, back in the 90s, that was something, right? $20. I go to open it. It's not a $20 bill. Looks like a 20 on the outside. You open the inside, and it says, disappointed? You won't be if you put your faith in Christ. First of all, I was a Christian, Second of all, I said some horrible words. <laughs> that is disgraceful to the gospel. Not in the horrible words I said. I mean, that was too. If you have some sort of evangelistic tool that looks like money and you're supposed to tip somebody at a restaurant and you give them no money and you say, hey, just accept Jesus, you won't ever be disappointed. If you have that thing, set it on fire right now. We give you permission to burn it right here. That's disgraceful to the gospel. That reflects some weird, twisted religiosity. I mean, I don't know that family. They were, they were actually really nice people. There was, there was nothing wrong with it, but, you know, they had taken up like 15 tables, like my whole section. I was busting tail for over an hour, and they leave. You know, I got my 213 an hour check that you get as a server, but no tip, and I already knew Jesus or at least I thought I did until I got that. So what I want to ask us to do today is we're talking about joyful generosity, and I want to stop and say I'm not talking about money right now. I'm just not talking about money right now. We'll get to it in a little bit. 
before we talk, because I know everybody's like, oh, preacher's money, I'm out. Don't, just tune in for a second. I want us to do some heart work. When it comes to the topic of joyful generosity, the issue is not money, the issue is a human heart. Your heart, my heart, the heart of God's people, the heart of God's people that's to reflect the heart of God in joyful generosity to other people. So, don't check out just yet. Two questions I want to ask all of us to pry into. I've been asking myself these questions all week. I want to ask you to ask yourself these questions right now. First, are you a generous person? Are you a generous person? Before you give me a list of the generous things you do, let's not talk about what you do. Let's talk about your heart. Are you generous in your heart? Are you a joyful, generous person in your heart? Or do you struggle with uh, begrudging selfishness? I do. I'll just tell you guys that I do sometimes. First question, are you a generous person? Secondly, if you are generous, what's your motivation to be generous? Because often we do generous things out of duty because this is what we're supposed to do. So you will dutifully do some generous activity, but your heart is not generous and joyful. Right? You can do a generous duty devoid of the gospel. You can be prideful, you can be self-righteous by doing your generous good deed without joyful generosity fueled from the gospel. Or you could be motivated by pity. And friends, let me tell you, lots of great things happen for needy people done out of pity, but still devoid of the gospel. You can walk out on the street and see somebody who needs some food, and you can say, I pity that person, let me buy him a sandwich. You can do that good, generous deed without a generous heart. You could do that good, moral action without the gospel joy in your heart. So before we get to doing generous things, I want us to take a step back and ask ourselves, number one, are we generous people? And secondly, if we're generous, what's our motivation? Is it duty or pity? Both of which are devoid of the gospel. Because today what we're going to see is is what joyful generosity really is. We're going to see how the Bible defines joyful generosity in light of the character of God in light of the grace and the goodness of God to his people. That is the fueling motivation to do generous things because it comes from a a generous God who shapes his people to be generous people. And therefore, joyful, generous gospel things happen. You with me? I want us to look at God's word today and see what this means for us. It's not about money. It's about heart. It's about identity. It's about worship. It's about obedient faith. Because we see that joyful generosity involves worshipful remembrance for who God is and what he's done. It involves looking around in joyful faith in the present circumstances. And it involves looking forward with a hopeful identity in who you are because of Christ and what he's done for you. And we see that God's people, Israel, experienced this. We're in Deuteronomy chapter 26 today. And if you've been tracking along with us, you know that God's people had been in bondage. God, out of his grace and goodness, came down, set them free from slavery in Egypt, and said, I am giving you a land that I have promised to your forefathers. It's a land that will be plentiful for you. You can thrive as my people. You can worship me freely. You can enjoy my blessings. You can steward those blessings to each other. You will be a testimony to the nations around you about how wonderful and good I am as your God. 
Israel experienced the generosity of God and freedom with land, and they were thrive. They were to thrive in their identity as His children, reflecting His goodness to the nations around Him, around them. So look with me in chapter twenty-six of Deuteronomy, because there's stuff here that leads us to Jesus and applies for you and I today about our hearts that tend to not be generous or the generous things we do fueled from duty or pity. But I want us to see how this tells us about the character of God, how it leads you and I to Jesus so that we may be transformed to become joyful, generous people reflecting the character of God. You with me? Deuteronomy 26 verse 1. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God is giving you. And you shall put it in a basket and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name to dwell there. And you shall go to the priest who is in an office at that time and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket from your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God, and you shall make response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my father, and he went down into Egypt and sojourned there, few in number, and then he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold... Now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you into your house, you and the Levite and the sojourner who is among you. Guys, this is, this is God's word for us, friends. Today we see joyful generosity stemming from the work of God. And there's some things I want us to recognize in this passage as we look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Okay? Joyful generosity is not first about what you must do, but it's first and foremost about who God is and what he has done. So if we want to become joyfully generous people who in turn do joyfully generous things, we must first look back in worshipful remembrance to who God is and what he's done. Do you see how this chapter starts with that? It says, hey, when you come into the land that the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance, the very first verse says, hey, look, God is not telling his people to do anything at first. He says, I just want you to, to pause and remember who I am and what I have done for you. He says, look, the Lord your God has given you this land to take possession, to live in it. When you take the first fruit, it is fruit that the Lord your God has given you. You've harvested the fruit from the land that the Lord your God has given you. Then you shall go to the place where the Lord has chosen to make his name 
dwell. When you get there, you will worship him. You will rejoice in all that God has given you. You see, friends, to be joyfully generous people, we first must look back in worshipful remembrance at who God is and what he's done. God made good on his promises to his people. He was good to them. He set them free from bondage out of his goodness, not because they deserved it. He gave them a land because he was a good, generous God, not because they acquired it out of their own strength or did anything to earn it. As they are harvesting crops, they recognize that it is not their awesome harvesting skills, but rather they say this is the fruit of the ground which the Lord has given us. Worshipful remembrance. Friends, do you ever pause and think about the story you have lived through? Do do you look back and say, God, thank you for your provision. God, thank you that you have given me a sharp mind to go into the medical field. God, thank you that you have given me opportunities to thrive in, in education, to be a teacher. God, thank you that you have given me children to raise and to shepherd. God, thank you that you have given me a neighborhood to be involved in. Thank you that you've given me a church to be involved in. Thank you that you've given me a school to go to. God, thank you that you have given me money so that I can spend it here or give it here or provide for this here. Do you you ever stop and think? Because sometimes I don't. I'll just be honest with you guys. Sometimes I'm like, oh man, money's tight. All the while forgetting to to look back in remembrance of what what God has done. God's been so good to provide for his people for generations across cultures, across timelines, across families and ethnicities and through hard circumstances and good circumstances. Friends, do you ever stop to think about the story that God has led you through? Do you you stop to think about the provision he's made for you? Do do you stop and think when you you cash your check at the end of a work week? I don't don't care what job you have. Do you you stop and say, God, thank you for for providing this week? Because sometimes I just don't. Because sometimes it comes up a little shy of what I think I need, and I'm like, oh, I'm sweating a little more. But friends, when we look at Scripture, we see that as God is instructing his people of what it means to become joyfully generous people, he does not give them a list of things to do. Because that would be easy. I could right now tell you, if you want to be generous, we want you to put X amount of dollars in that basket. I want you to tip X amount across the hall there when you get lunch. I want you to spend X amount over here. I want you to save. I I could tell you the to-dos, but it will not change your heart. You'll find yourself, well, I'm doing generous things out of duty, out of pride, out of fear, whatever, devoid of the gospel. But see, God knows the human condition and says, hey, before you do any generous thing, why don't you pause and worship God? Why don't you pause and look back at what God has done? Why don't you recount the story of how God has made good on his promises to your ancestors despite their rebellious hearts, despite their disobedience? Why don't you look around and see how God is blessing you despite your own pride and fear and doubts? Why don't you pause verse 10, and worship before the Lord your God. Verse 11, and rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given you. Friends, do do you worship the Lord? Do, Do you rejoice at God's provision? 
You know, it's okay to have a little joy if you get a bonus at work. <laughs> it's okay to take your buddies out for a, a brew or buy somebody lunch or to celebrate God's provision. Say, man, it's been a good, it's been a good season at work. You know, money's kind of come in. I'm just going to treat everybody to dinner. It's, it's good to do that. It's good to rejoice and say, God's been really good. just want to share the love, share the joy. In the middle of that, do you worship the Lord and just say, God, thank you that you were so good. So friends, I want to ask you this. Do you, do you pause in worshipful remembrance? What are some ways that you do that? Do you, do you worship together? Do you reflect back on your story? Do you reflect back in Scripture to see God's goodness? Because friends, if we are going to grow to become joyfully generous people, it involves worshipful remembrance first and foremost. And if you take nothing else away, I want you to worship the Lord. I want you to find your joy in Christ. That, that's first and foremost. You with me? But we see the instruction continues as God says, Hey, look, come into the land. Remember what I've done. Take the first fruits. Bring them and worship and rejoice. Look at verse 12 because I want to see something else. When you have finished paying all the tithe of your produce in the third year, which is the year of tithing, giving to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your towns and be filled, then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the sacred portion of my house, and moreover I have given it to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandment that you have commanded me. I have not transgressed any of your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten of the tithe which I was, which I was mourning, or removed any of it while I was unclean, or offered any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God. I have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel and the ground that you have given us as you have swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. You see, friends, we first, to be joyfully generous people, we first pause, we worshipfully remember and rejoice in who God is and what he's done. But secondly, it involves not only looking back, but looking around in joyful faith. It involves looking back in worshipful remembrance, but also looking around with a, a joyful faith, looking around at how God is providing, but also looking around to the needs of others. You see, it structs, structs here about giving to the Levite, to the sojourner, to the fatherless, and the widow. A Levite had uh, priestly, worshipful duties for God's people. So there was a portion that was given to take care of those who were leading the worship for God's people in Israel. A sojourner is someone who's a traveler, a stranger, uh, an, an immigrant, somebody who's not uh, maybe native to that area or to those people. Maybe they're just passing through. There was instruction to take care of travelers, those who were, who were passing through the territory that God had given to his people. They weren't going to stay there long. It would be an investment that you're like, wait, why would I give my money to this guy? He's going to be gone next week. Some of you guys actually are sojourners. <laughs> you're like, hey, I'm here for you know, a year for military or for med school or maybe your job's here. You're doing like a six-month internship. Man, you're just passing through. You know what? We, we want to in invest in you. You're a sojourner. We love you. Right? That's kind of what that is, sojourner. Widows, 
orphans, the fatherless, those without fathers, children without fathers, women without husbands. In, in the culture of this day, that was very difficult. <laughs> if you were a woman without a husband, uh, your rights to land were, were very problematic. It's not like today's day where you could maybe you know, get a job or go back to school or something like that. It was, it was very limiting. And so God was showing his mercy to those who were in need, and he was doing it through his people. Because to be joyfully generous people involves looking around with a joyful faith, saying, look, I'm trusting God to provide not only for me, but I'm trusting God to provide for those around us, and I'm trusting that God may actually be providing for these people in need through me. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought that God may be using you to provide for the needs of someone else? You know, it's really easy for us to turn a blind eye to those in need. So, well, hopefully somebody will do something to take care of, of the widow. Hopefully, hopefully somebody will do something to take care of that orphan child. Hopefully somebody will do something to take care of that person who's just passing through, maybe down on their luck, doesn't have much money. They're just trying to scramble to get work to actually get back home. Have you ever thought that God may actually be using you and I to bring some good news and some provision? Have you ever thought about that? Because it's, it's true. It's what God is doing here. It's what God is doing through his people here. He says, hey, when, you, when, when I give you produce from the ground, first of all, it's my ground. Second of all, it's my produce. Thanks for giving me a tenth of it back. And look around. There are people that you can influence. There are people that you can resource who are in need. See, joyful giving is a reflection of the gospel. And I want to ask you, how is your heart when it comes to seeing those in need around you? It could be somebody in need. It could be the homeless person on the street, or it could be somebody in, you work with who's just having a, re- a really hard time right now. Maybe bills are stacking up and they're a little behind. Maybe there's a coworker you have that's going through a divorce. Maybe there's somebody at your school that is just, you know, they're just done with the ramen noodle situation because they just they can't afford, you know. Who has God placed around you and how are you addressing those things? How are you helping those and need and moreover what is the condition of your heart do you find joy in giving to someone else i mean do you, when you go to lunch with somebody is it like uh the the waiter doesn't ask if you want two checks i just put one on the table and you're like oh i gotta take this call i'll be right back do you do that just me i'm the only one that does that trick <laughs> somebody puts the ticket on the table i'm like i'll be right back and hopefully the person buys it for you are you like that i'm really not like that one time I was, but. Or do you have a joyful heart that says, hey, look, one check, I'll take it. You can even upgrade your soda. There you go. $3 Diet Coke. So friends, if we're going to become joyfully generous people, it's not about what we do, but it's first and foremost about remembering who God is and what he's done and responding in worship and rejoicing in God's provision. But it also is looking around in joyful faith at those in need around us. And thirdly, it involves looking forward with a hopeful identity. Because look at verses 16. This, is just, this chapter is so good. 
I wish we had all afternoon, but we're going to... I want you to get out of here so you can tip big at the restaurant you go to today. We'll get to that in a second. Verse 16. This day the Lord your God commands you to do these statutes and rules. So there's commandments we are to obey that come out of worship. It comes out of rejoicing. It comes out of faith. It comes out of obedience. You're, you're to do these commandments. You shall therefore be careful to do them, listen to this, with all your heart and all your soul. You do obedient things because of a changed heart. Right? You can't have a changed heart just by doing things. I I can't give you a list of things to do to change your heart. I can say, look, look to God and worship him. Look to God and rejoice. Lean in on Christ in faith and he will change you and shape you. Let's together lean in on Jesus and pray that God's Holy Spirit would shape our hearts because our hearts are not bent toward joyful generosity. They're just not. They've never been throughout any part of history, biblically, has anybody just happened to be, I'm just a joyfully generous person. Who's Jesus? No, it's always been, I'm stingy. This is my land. This is my money. This is, these are my resources. This is my time. It's my lunch break. Oh, and then Jesus shows up and wrecks that person and shapes that person. Then it's like, oh, wait a second. This is God's land. This is God's money. This is God's, these are God's resources. This is God's opportunity, God's relationships he's laying out before me. You see, when God says, be careful to do these things with all of your heart and all of your soul, it stems from a changed identity. This, this gets so exciting. I just, let's read two more verses before I get excited. You have declared today that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in his ways and keep his statutes and his commandments and his rules and will obey his voice. And the Lord has declared today that you are a people for his treasured possession as he has promised you, you are to keep his commandments and that he will set you that he will set you in praise and in fame and in honor high above the nations that he has made. And you shall be a people holy to the Lord your God as he has promised. And this gets so exciting. God says, like, I want you to remember who I am and what I've done for you. I want you to worship me. I want you to have great joy in my provision. I want you to have great faith as you relate to other people, including the Levites, the sojourners, the widows, the fatherless. But then he lays out the obedience that stems from a changed heart, a changed identity. There's, there's two things in this passage that, that God's word uses to really hammer in this concept of identity. And I want us to, want us to stick with this for a second because it's so important. It's so important for us to get this. There's this concept. This is, this is what's so cool. I mean, we don't live in like a, well, not all of us. Some of you guys maybe have experience on farms and stuff, but majority of us do not have an agricultural experience, so it's kind of hard for us to get this. But I love how the beginning of this chapter talks about giving first fruits. It says, look, first fruits is, is this biblical, it's an agricultural concept of the first fruits that spring up from the ground, but this is a biblical parallel to an identity that we have in Christ. Because first fruit is it's a testament of God's work, it's a foretaste of what's to come. If you have, like, if you have a farm, there's a sweet couple here, the Colliers, man, Mr. Collier has, like, just amazing blueberries, 
Like if you've ever been to his house, it's like blueberry bushes as far as you can see. And last summer, we went there with the kids and we were picking blueberries. And, and if you were just to grab a couple of those awesome blueberries and just like eat them, it, it was just a foretaste of what's to come later. Does that make sense? It's the, the first fruit that you have is, is just one small representative of this huge harvest that you can anticipate really soon. And so when God is saying, I want you to give first fruits, it's an act of faith, but it's also an act of identity because it's a foretaste of what God has done. You see, first fruit of God's work is saying, I'm setting Israel free. That's a foretaste of what I will do to all the nations through Christ, setting them free. You're with me? Like, we look at this Old Testament story, and it's like God's saying, this is just the first fruit of this harvest of gospel awesomeness. Israel is in bondage, setting them free, new identity, new land of promise to thrive in, to show off my goodness to the nations around them. Boom. Hey, here's Jesus saving all the nations who put faith in Christ. First fruit there, bigger harvest here. We're getting to see some of that. See, first fruit is not just about agriculture. It's actually a a testament of God's work, a foretaste of what's to come. And identity. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes this Second Thessalonians. See, I get so excited. I wish we had all afternoon. First, Second Thessalonians two thirteen. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers. That can mean brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. You see, joyful generosity, God's Word says you you obey these things out of your heart, out of your soul. Scripture goes on to affirm that it's it's an act of identity, like giving your first fruit shows that you, you are part of the first fruits of Christ's salvation. This is a reflection. Like if you were a Christian and you were stingy, I don't know that you're a Christian. I, I really don't. I don't don't see how somebody can say, I've experienced the grace of God. He is so good to me, so generous to me. Get away from me. I I don't see how that's possible. If it is, you tell me, but I don't see that. James 1.18, of his own, he, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So, so there's this identity that comes with being generous. It's a changed heart. It's a changed soul. It comes from worship, from rejoicing, from obedient faith. It stems from identity, saying, look, I'm giving first fruits because this is actually a foretaste of what is to come. And so as an act of obedience, I'm going to do this because I see my identity as being kind of the first fruits. And, and maybe God... Generosity to me makes me a first fruit. My generosity to someone else maybe will we'll kind of ripple out the gospel and we will be surprised. Here's another parallel I want us to see when it comes to identity. is a people of God's possession. I love how that word is used when it starts talking about like generosity and giving because usually we think about generosity as about stuff, about money. It's my money, it's my stuff. Don't tell me to be generous. But, you know, the whole possession thing here is not about what you own, it's about who owns you. <laughs> God bought you. If you're a Christian, you belong to God. You belong to Christ. You know you're not your own. It's so so cute. Like, if you have kids, you see this all the time. Hey, this is my thing. It's like, really? Did you get a job and buy that thing? I'm your dad. I'll put that bed together for you before you were born. We just said, it's your bed. It's my bed. 
I'm just letting you sleep in it. We're the same way, though. And we're like, God, thank you for my house. Thank you for my car. Thank you for my money. It's not your money. God's like, silly kid. Show a little grace to him. See, the Old Testament says this numerous times. He says time and time again that the Lord is your God. You are his people. The Lord has declared today that you are a people for his treasured possession. Friends, do you know that in Christ you are treasured? You are precious. God loves you and values you more than the earth, more than the harvest, more more than all of that. You are a treasured possession by God in Christ. And it's not because of what you do. It's because of what he's done. But because he treasures you and values you and is lavishly, joyfully generous to you, ought we not to reflect that generous joy to others? A people of possession Paul writes the same phrase in Titus 2.14 talking about Jesus who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works, joyful, generous. Why? Because we belong to Christ. 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Isn't that exciting? I'm excited. Right? Oh, we have one more New Testament passage. If that's not enough, I want us to be joyfully generous people. I want us to worship. I want us to rejoice. I want us to obediently be in faith with one another, doing generous things because of a changed heart of identity, First fruits, people possess of possession, not we're not possessed people, that came out wrong. People purchased by Christ as treasured possession. Here, oh, this is so exciting. It's, hang with me. There's five more verses and we're done. Acts 2. Okay, if you read the book of Acts, this is exciting, right? These are people that are like, hey, there's, hey. some of them are like, hey, we saw Jesus, we hung out with Jesus. We, oh, we saw Jesus die, he crucified. He came back to life and he comes back and he like, Gives them some final instruction. He ascends to heaven. They're like, what in the world is going on? Acts 2 comes. Uh Uh-oh, people start preaching the gospel. Bless you. People start preaching the gospel. Holy Spirit comes down, sets hearts on fire. Stuff starts going crazy, awesome. Thousands of people get saved. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Huh? To the teaching, the fellowship breaking of bread and prayers, awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. Let me clarify that. They're not communists. Some people misapply that. So they had everything in common. That means nobody owned anything. No, it means people owned stuff, but they were generous with it. That's what that means. It doesn't mean we're all going to get a bunker and just be weird It means that we're going to steward what we have for the benefit. Because it's weird. I'm just going to say that. Don't get a bunker and be weird. Repent, believe. Amen. Let's pray. I'm just kidding. They had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So they had possessions to sell. Right? They had Etsy shops and kind of stuff going on. As anyone had need. 
day by day, attending the temple together. They were together worshiping, breaking bread in their homes. They were hanging out in their homes, eating meals together. They received their food. I love this phrase, with glad and generous hearts. They had glad and generous hearts. This passage is not about people doing generous things. It's about being changed transformed, shaped, wrecked by the gospel, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and having glad and generous hearts. Do you see that? If, I, I read this verse so many times for decades and missed that key point. They had glad and generous hearts. That is the point. They worshiped, they were devoted to teaching, they fellowshiped, they, they were doing generous things, but it all came from having glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people, The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Man, that excites me. I would love for there to be a gospel revolution in this religious town. This town needs the gospel, people. This town is dead. Dead. There are people doing generous things whose hearts are so far from God. I found myself in that camp for decades thinking, what am I doing? Being all prideful, look at my resume. Look how generous I am, suffering for the Lord. Who am I kidding? The most generous things I ever did happened when I was farthest from the Lord. Anybody can fake generosity. What's up, y'all? There's people riding bikes. What's up? Friends, I want to become a joyfully generous person. I want us to be a joyfully generous people. I want people to be like, man, those people got something. See, what excites me about that is, is if, if the Holy Spirit wrecks a community like this and people are doing generous things out of glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. The thing that's so cool about that is somebody walked in the door and said, man, there's so much joy, there's so much generosity. They won't even stop and think, well, you know, you're doing these great things. We'd like to do a piece on the news about these great things you are doing. But rather, there would be awe. Awe came upon everyone. It's like, we can't even explain this. This is wacky. Friends, this is what I want. That's the only reason that I'm still in this t- my hometown, people. I was born like three miles from here. The only reason I'm here is because I am prayerfully optimistic that the Holy Spirit is up to something in our midst, and I don't want to miss it. I don't. I don't want to miss it. I'm sorry I yelled. I'm not angry. I'm joyful. This is what happens when God saves people and shapes them by his spirit. They start reflecting his character, his goodness. It's what happens when people respond to faith to the Lord. I want to land the plane, Jeremy. Land the plane. So here's what I want us to do. Because I want you to to walk away hearing, hearing this, is that first and foremost, becoming generous people is not about what you do, but about who Christ is and what he's done. It's about worshipful remembrance. It's about looking back through the Bible, looking back through history, looking back through your story, and worshiping the Lord for who he is and what he's done. Just worship. If you're like, dude, dude, I'm just, I'm stingy. I can't help it. That's fine. Be stingy right now. Just worship the Lord. I can't, I can't tell you to not be stingy. I can just say, look, worship the Lord and he'll change you, man. He will shape you. Worship the Lord and rejoice in the Lord always. 
just that's what you need to do walking out of here. All of us, I need to do it. Let's do that, okay? Worship the Lord in remembrance and look around with a joyful faith and be hopeful in the identity you have in Christ. You are not your own. You have been purchased at a cost. You are a treasured possession. Jesus loves you. He saved you. He doesn't, he doesn't save trash. He, he shapes us and changes us to reflect the goodness of a generous, gracious, heavenly Father. You are a child to reflect that. And so practically, I'm sweating. Practically, I want to give us a couple things to ponder. Okay? I'm not, I'm not, I just want to give you a couple things to ponder as a way of response. Okay? If you, holy smoke, it's hot up here. If you are not a Christian, I want you to look at this generous God who loves you and the generous Christ who will save you. And I want you to believe in him. Okay? Just, I, I just want you to. If you want, please talk to me. I don't want you leaving here. Not, I don't want you leaving here being far from Jesus. I was far from Jesus for a period of my life, and it was awful. And man, I did so many good things, but it was awful. I want you to be close to the Lord, so please come talk to me, and we'll talk about Jesus saving you. And that's beautiful. If you are a Christian, I want us to grow in worship and joy together. And there are some practical ways to do that because people often come and say, well, I want to be, Jeremy, I'm worshiping, I have joy, and I want to be generous. Now what? What do I do? How can I be generous? And there's just a couple, couple things I want you to know about, man. There's so many opportunities out here, and I don't want you to do them. I want you, I want you to be gladful, joyful, generous people. But if you want opportunities, man, there's opportunities to be generous to this church. We have a giving basket back there. If you're a part of this ministry, do that out of obedience and out of joy, not out of guilt. If you you have a check in your hand, you're like, man, I feel guilty. Maybe I'll put money in it. Don't do it. Don't do it out of guilt. We don't want your money. Don't want your money. We want you to know Jesus. But if you're like, man, I feel, I don't feel dutiful. I don't feel obligated or guilty. I just, I really feel joyful. And there's a basket there. You can drop money in there and it will go to the mission of the Lord through Redemption Church. We are budgeting 10% toward church planting. You can give money toward the Great Commission Fund, which helps funds, fund missionaries with the Christian and Missionary Alliance. If you want to do that, you want to help fund missionaries. We have partnerships in Uganda. If you want to give money to Uganda, you put Uganda on your check, drop it in that money. will go to serve medical and other missions in Uganda for the glory of the Lord, the gospel. Give money to Acts 29, the Christian and Missionary Alliance. If you want to be a part of other ministries in this town, man, there are so many good ministries. You've got stuff like Young Life and other, other student ministries, man, they can use some funding to get the gospel in the schools around here. There are benevolence organizations if you want to minister to the homeless or adoption or counseling organizations, sex trafficking, recovery. If you, if you, want, if you want to help fund that stuff, don't do it out of guilt. Just to help you sleep at night, but do it out of joy, man. God is so good, and he loves so many people that are broken and hurting. Be generous and fellowship with other Christians, man. Somebody take somebody to lunch, and you guys fight over who buys, the, the, who buys lunch today. I want this week to have to mediate some fights because people were just trying to out-generous each other. Generous, each out-generosity, whatever. A couple of English people, English majors, never mind. I don't even know what I'm saying. Be hospitable. Host some non-Christians. Just shock them with how generous you are. Tip big. 
It's a big one. If you go to lunch today, man, tip 25%, blow somebody's mind. If they give you horrible service, tip more. <laughs> it's like, I'm just the worst service ever. Great. I'm tipping you 50%. What? It's called grace, and God loves you. I'm tipping you because the Lord is good, not because the service was terrible. You should be ashamed of yourself. But God is good, so here's, here's 50%. Friends, it's my hope and prayer that God would shape us to not just do generous things, but to become generous people by turning to Christ in worship and repentance and faith, reflecting the generous God who has saved us. It's my hope and prayer. As we have a time of response now, um, there's a couple ways you can respond. If you are a believer, we have communion set before you. We typically here every Sunday take the bread, represents the body of Christ broken for you. Repre- the wine and juice represents the blood of Christ that was shed for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are a believer, we invite you to come and worship the Lord this way, to remember with joy what Christ has done to purchase you to be a people for his own possession, zealous for good works, right? It's the way we respond. So if you are a believer, we invite you to come and worship the Lord and remember the Lord in this way. If you're not a believer, we ask that you you not do that, but rather just observe and maybe come talk to me or somebody if you want to know more about the gospel. We desperately want you to know. If you are inclined to uh, give, there is a giving basket in the back. The worship team will come as well and lead us in music, and you can respond through prayer and through singing and through reflection. Uh, As we prepare for communion, The Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, You proclaim the saving death of the risen Lord until he comes. Pray with me. Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you for your goodness to your people throughout all generations. And God, I thank you that you uh, are a generous, gracious God, that you save undeserving people, that you shape undeserving people to become more like your son, Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that even now as we reflect, you would stir up our hearts in belief and repentance. God, that we would turn from our sin, from our selfishness, and that we would turn to you and worship and in rejoicing. And God, as we uh, look up to you as the author and perfecter of our faith, God, that by your spirit you would shape our hearts to be glad and generous. God, that we would not do things out of duty or do things out of obligation or do good things out of pride, but God, rather out of humility and joy and obedience because you have changed us and shaped us to reflect your good character to a lost and dying and broken world. And so God, I pray that this week Uh, you would be working in our hearts and minds on what that looks like, that you would lay before us opportunities to be generous to fellow believers, to be generous to non-believers, to be generous to co-workers and schoolmates and people in our neighborhood, to our own family. God, that you would be generous within the church and generous toward your mission through other organizations. God, that the gospel would go forth. So Lord, I pray that you would shape us.